Hello and welcome to the J-Rod F1 pod with me, James Robson, Ollie Dix and our special guest host, Sam Corti. So today we're going to be looking back at the Spanish Grand Prix, which was won by Lewis Hamilton. Um, and at the end of the episode, we've got a little bit of an interesting discussion because Formula One's Twitter page has just released their top 10 single lap drivers of all time. And we have not one, not two, but very, very many issues with this list. So we'll be discussing that towards the end of the podcast. But let's jump straight into the conversation that we're all having about the Spanish Grand Prix this weekend. Right, so Ollie, let's start with Hamilton then, because... I mean, a record-breaking victory for him, hasn't it been? Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Hamilton broke the record for most podiums in Formula 1 history, uh, previously held by Michael Schumacher at 155. Hamilton now has 156 in what I would say an extraordinary 256 races. Yeah, and I mean, like, 37 points clear of Verstappen now at the top of the World Championships, and he managed to lap everyone up until... Uh, Lance Stroll who finished in fourth but Sam it wasn't just a sort of superior display of driving was it tactically Mercedes made good decisions that put them in the best position to win yeah Hamilton was like really vocal this uh, this week about like what he wanted on the car and he had a radio message to say that they were going to bring him into the pits and put him onto the soft tyres and he basically was just like no put me back out onto some mediums which was like well, basically cemented his win in the race because they did bring Bottas in and put Bottas onto the softs and that basically ruined his chances of finishing in second it just the car the, they, they just weren't the right tyre choice well it wasn't the right tyre choice but Hamilton is he's he had he has that much confidence in his own ability and the team have that much confidence in him in the car and his feel that it was a real team team effort and a team win am i right in saying that they put bottas on the softs before they brought hamilton in so they could kind of see that the softs weren't actually working or was it uh, were, did they put him on the softs afterwards no i think no i think they brought bottas in first but it was strange that they didn't that they still wanted to put Hamilton onto them and Hamilton would have had no idea of what was happening with Bottas so but I mean to be honest you could have put Hamilton on a set of bike tyres and he probably would have still won it from yeah. where he was at that point yeah um. <laughs> maybe we should throw that in maybe we should suggest that to me just for one race one race only yeah, yeah. Pirelli being out the bright bike tyres right but Ollie, I mean I'd say you know, the other winners from the weekend, you know, in the way that we usually look at a couple of winners and a couple of losers, Racing Point had a good weekend after... The, I mean, they needed a bounce back after a... I mean, not a great two weeks at Silverstone. No, I think, like, the past month, you would even say, hasn't been a great month for Racing Point. They've been pretty average on the track and off the track, having to deal with quite a lot of, well, I suppose, issues that are going on with, with the car. Um, and complaints but before the race it was you know always a focus of actually if we can maintain our qualifying positions of fourth and fifth then that's going to be a very very good result for us and that was what they achieved uh, you know and actually also what was interesting to see was you know I think time-wise everyone thought that the one stop was what was quickest 
but would the two stop actually allow you to like strategically like get off better um, and Racing Point managed to show us that the one stop was, I think it was two seconds quicker in the end um, that Perez did, but obviously he had his five second penalty, so Stroll went in front. Yeah, and I mean, like, Stroll had a good start, um, you know, went up to fourth and, then, uh, and you know, then dropped back a little bit and with the, with Perez's five second time penalty, you know, finished in fourth, he's he's one of those people that I don't I want to not like him because his dad bought him an F1 team for him to play with but yeah, he's actually starting to be quite a good driver and it's quite irritating yeah I think that move off the start was incredible yeah he, I think he, he overtook Bottas and he was really close to getting ahead of Verstappen but it was like he just went at the inside and it was interesting in the interviews that they did afterwards and Rosberg was like oh it was such a brave move because you don't have as much grip up the inside and he was like basically listing off all of the things that could have gone wrong and he was like oh well maybe if I knew all this before I did it then I would have possibly wouldn't have done it <laughs> but it's just yeah just the confidence that they obviously have in the car and just yeah just the move off the start was just like he knew he wasn't going to stay ahead of the Mercedes but for however many laps he was ahead, it was like they are showing the potential of what the car could do. They definitely seem like they're there as like the best of the rest. But I think it was like once Bottas got past him, like I remember saying to Robbie, like we were watching it together, that like within about 16 laps, Bottas had then put about 19 seconds into him. And it just seems like, like I know everyone calls this like the pink Mercedes, but it doesn't seem like it's actually even close to what last year's Mercedes was. So it will be interesting. Actually, I still think there's quite a big step for them to make like as a team if they want to start challenging. Like We expect Ferrari to at some point go back to the Ferrari of old and then actually Racing Point are probably still that fourth fastest team. Yeah. I think the other thing to remember is that you know you can. It's not just about having a good car. I mean, it's so, it is so important. But why Mercedes was so dominant last year, essentially with the same car that Racing Point are not in the same position as this year, is because their team, you know, the way their team is structured, the way their team is built, they didn't make mistakes. They got, you know, they made better decisions than Racing Point had been making, and set the car up better than Racing Point have been doing. And so it's not just about, you know, is the car fast? It's about managing yourself through a race weekend as a whole team. And I think that's what's been really interesting to see um, how Racing Point can still progress and can still, I mean, even if they do have a good car, can still move up uh, move up the ranks even further. Like, like speaking of as well, is actually that... That was shown this weekend with Mercedes, because last weekend they really struggled with the tyre man management and the heat, and then they came back this weekend and it was like, right, and we had one blip one weekend, and then the next weekend we were suddenly the best car at managing their tyres. Yeah, And it's just like, okay, this isn't just two drivers that are very, very good, this is a whole team that seems to be like the best at doing everything almost. 
apart from the pit stops. Apart from the pit apart stops. The shout out to Red Bull for that one point nine. That title is still with yeah, exactly. That was massive actually this weekend. Yeah, I agree. Stops. Yeah. Um, okay, but then moving on to someone who won driver of the day, Sebastian Vettel, and I mean talking about tire management, thirty six laps on a set of soft tires, it was unbelievably impressive. It is his worst result in Spain since 2018, but you've got to put that in context and think, actually, this is a really, really good result for Seb, isn't it, Sam? Yeah, he was much closer to Leclerc as well in qualifying, which, I mean, it still wasn't a great qualifying to finish in 11th, but it did mean that he could start start the race on whatever tyres he wanted, and he was closer to Leclerc, which started off a better weekend for him. Um, and again, just... He his interviews are still he's still downhearted and still trying to find the positives in everything. But I mean he's still not happy to finish seventh and it must be frustrating for him when you have people interviewing him and they are happy for him when it's they're talking about seventh. Like that to him just is not not still a, a good result. Um Do you think, think he feels like an afterthought? Yeah, like I the way in think, which yeah. they asked him about, or like, did you want to go to the end in the, on these tyres? And he was like, I literally brought this up to you earlier. Like, did you want me yeah. to manage early on? It seems like, okay, like once Leclerc was out of the race, it was like, oh, we can focus on Sebastian now. And actually, like he was almost off doing his own thing and like, oh, now you want to help me kind of situation. Yeah, I yeah, I completely agree. I think he's just the radio messages are all very mixed like the team just don't seem to be 100% behind him and yeah as soon as they came down to one driver it was like well this is the only way we're going to score some points now it's and he still talks about the setup of the car and it changes between different like sections of the race and it just seems very yeah and I just, I don't know. I don't think he's... It, f- it feels like he feels as though there's not a lot of manpower or a lot of effort going into his car. And actually, if you just gave him a bit of time, there's no question that he would be able to produce the things that Leclerc is producing. But actually, like, he doesn't seem to feel like he's getting those opportunities and he's almost having to do, like, he's been given a car and then it's almost like, oh, here's two or three people. Now try and figure it out on your own. But then, from a Ferrari standpoint, if you're looking, if you're looking at it, why would you invest heavily in Vettel if he's leaving at the end of the season? Obviously, you want because this want like your, it's still realistic for them to finish third this year in the constructors' championship. I'm a, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. But equally, like you've got to prioritise Leclerc over Vettel because he is your future. And if you don't do that, then Leclerc might get pissed off and might try and engineer a way out of Ferrari so I think it is tough and I think it's it's something that again I mean I hate to look back at Mercedes again and again but like you look at a team that there is never any issues between driver squabbles it's always very clear Lewis is number one Bottas is number two and what like but they do invest in Valtteri but they know that Valtteri knows that when push comes to shove he's going to get second choice of strategy he's going to get you know probably the second choice of the chassis and everything like that and it's a situation where neither driver wants to be in that place and Ferrari looks like a very um, fractured garage at the moment. I was just going to say with 
I think w- with Bottas, they've found someone who's happy to... He's, he's going to win, but he's going to win on a clean race, and he doesn't seem like the driver that's going to get his elbows out. And like Mercedes don't have this feeling that their drivers could crash and take each other off the track because Bottas just isn't the driver to get his elbows out and to push that with Hamilton. I mean, when we looked, when there was Hamilton and Rosberg were on the same team, it was completely different, and Rosberg would get his elbows out and would... And we did see more crashes, and we did see more times where the Mercedes were were side by side. But Rosberg was successful there, and was more successful than um, Bottas has been. Like Bottas probably won't win a world championships because he's not that kind of driver. Yeah, and like you heard, like Rosberg speaking before the race as to like they were like, oh, what does Bottas need to do to like make that next step and Rosberg was saying like you know needs to get like his elbows out a little bit because that's what Rosberg felt he did to get the championship like you almost need to start being the reason why Hamilton loses rather than sometimes the reason he wins but like back to Ferrari they're on 61 points two points behind racing point in third like at the moment you're not in a situation like say Red Bull where actually you have someone in Verstappen in a quick car who can go and get multiple podiums and even potentially win a race so okay like you're going to put all of your like eggs in his basket but at the moment it's not like Leclerc's car is a great car so why would you not put both of your cars on a decent level and start trying to like strategically use like them together like to try and get more points because if Ferrari somehow still finish third in the Constructors Championship this year that is an achievement like beyond recognition I think that'd be like one of the biggest results of the year whereas actually realistically they could finish fifth and then it's a bit like oh that's what we all expected yeah no I agree but let's move then on to Leclerc's race because I mean he is what we would say would be probably the biggest loser of the weekend. Um, a very odd electrical issue caused his engine to turn off halfway through the last chicane, wasn't it? And he, he, you know the rear axle locked up and he spun. Quite, quite funnily, like as he was trying to get it started again, he took his seatbelt off, which meant that when he did finally get it started, he um, he then had to sort of crawl back to the pits to get his seatbelts redone up, and by that point. They were like, well, we're so far behind, we might as well just retire the car and save the power unit. Um, I mean, he wasn't really in contention anyways. He was very middle of the pack and it wasn't. he wasn't looking like he was m- carrying any momentum going up or down. He was just sort of sitting where he was, you know, 10th, 11th, somewhere like there. And then this just seemed to add insult to injury for Ferrari's weekend. But, I mean, Sam, we the question I've got to ask you is uh, you know kind of like we were saying with Ferrari trying to finish third in the drivers in the um, constructors championship, who's going to be that fourth place after Bottas or Verstappen in the drivers championship? Who's going to be? Because it's not necessarily the quickest driver that's going to come fourth. It's going to be the most consistent. And do you think that is going to be in a red in a red car? Uh, no, I I think I think. Ferrari started off quite fractured. They've had a few races now. We would either have started to see 
these fractures be glued back together or they get slightly bigger and I think they're only just getting slightly bigger which I just think they're just going to continue to go down I wouldn't be surprised if it was I'm going to say possibly Lance Stroll in the racing oh I know I don't particularly that's a want massive to, that's a massive statement don't particularly want to say it because I don't I do I do have this problem with the fact that his he's got a seat because his dad has a lot of money but I think they they just seem they just seem to be enjoying it and both cars are doing all right and like with the Ferraris where you've got one that's slightly better than the other they seem to both be doing okay they both seem to have a lot of confidence and I just think that he might just squeeze it I don't think it'll be like an absolute easy fourth place for him but I think that's who it will be Ollie, who do you think? Uh, you're you're going to enjoy this because I would say I'm usually the one that slates him the most, but I do think it will be Albon. George Russell. No, Albon. <laughs> oh, Albon. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> I just think like that that Red Bull is the second fastest car on the track, and actually, had Albon not been put on the hard tires after his first pit stop. I think we would have been talking about him being a winner of the weekend. And I I agree. I think that that hard the stint he did the, the fifteen laps or so that he did on the hard tire was so stupid because he was going so much lower, and he was pit, he pitted from reasonably good track position right back into some pretty bad air, and then had to pit again. I mean, I could understand it if they were going to try and make that go to the end of the race. And I mean, it would have been an absolutely savagely long stint for him to do. But if they were going to try and get him to do 50, 60 laps until it had all spread out, and he might have a gap for for a bit of um, a bit of a, a pit stop onto softs in case he needed it right at the end. But I mean, it seemed almost like they were doing what Ferrari needs to do, which is using the second driver tactically to figure out what to do with the first driver. Yeah, like it looked like they were like, oh, we'll whack him on, we'll whack him on hards now. Have a look at the data that's coming out of that car, and then see if we put Verstappen on hards and try and go for a one stop. Five laps in, they saw that they weren't going to get a one, they weren't going to get the tire length, the tire life out of Albon's car that they were hoping to, and so they took the option of putting Verstappen on hard tires away, and ran him a very similar strategy to what they ran the Mercedes on. I think that's genuinely what it was, but. You've got a feel for Albon in the fact that, you know, I think this is the second weekend where a, a strategy decision has gone against him and he actually hasn't been able to produce a result that he deserves or that his driving deserves because he did actually drive that pretty well. But he was on a strategy which made it very difficult for him to get into a good position. Sam disagrees, by the way. I massively disagree. I, well, I don't massively disagree. I think... You're in the George what, Russell camp, aren't you? No, no, no I know what, you are. What Red Bull are you getting a T-shirt like me? <laughs> what Red Bull are doing is they're use like you say. I completely agree. They're using their second driver to help their number one. They have to help Verstappen, and I think that will uh, that will keep them in the battle between second and third in the championships. However, I don't think Albon is happy with what he's 
with being that driver of that car. And if you look back to last year where they had Gasly as their number two, he was the same, wasn't showing anything. He got replaced by Albon. But you've now got Gasly sat in the... What is it? The Alpha Tauri. Yeah. And he's he flying. He looks bloody good. And it, that he's he won't have improved as a driver that much over the space of a year. He's definitely not in a better car. But it's you look at Red Bull and you think and even Albon said himself it's like oh, well it can't be the car because you've got the car finishing in P2 but he, he didn't want to look to the garage but you do wonder what is going on in the garage at Red Bull for their second driver to be so far behind Verstappen like they've got the biggest gap between any other team between their two drivers and was it P3 and P6 in qualifying? Uh, it was. I honestly think. I honestly think you've. If he can. If you put him on mediums instead of the hards, because I think he only did like twenty laps on the hard tires anyway. So it's not like he did a long stint. Like they just had no grip to start off with. I think if you put him on the mediums, he finishes fourth. Because he lost so much time. But I don't see like if we're sitting. If we're sitting here going. Okay, look, he was the only person on hard like hard tires. He was the only person who did this and did that because Red Bull are using him. Surely Red Bull know. Oh yeah, but I think cuz they even asked they someone's even questioned Christian Horner about it and he like glossed over it. Like I I think they know what they're doing. Yeah. I don't think he's getting replaced. Um, I don't think I he'll get replaced. Think- I do also think though that the longer this season goes on, he'll just slowly and slowly like eke his way up a little bit and like he'll start being more more and more competitive with the racing points yeah into fourth yes yes i think val through bottas will finish fourth that is he russell's russell's gonna come third (laughs) (laughs) i mean sometimes it's just not useful (laughs) (laughs) i think russell needs to go on his bike if he wants to finish fourth yeah uh, okay, right, now moving on to Renault and Haas then. Um, Grosjean finished 6th in FP1 and 5th in FP2, which gave us a bit of hope and a bit of light at the end of the tunnel for Haas. Um, but it didn't really translate into race pace, did it? I mean, looking at this now, is there any way that Haas managed to get off the bottom? I mean, it's them or Williams for the bottom step, isn't it? I mean, the Alfa Romeo only have two points because I think it was that first race of the year where only 12 cars finished and Giovinazzi came ninth. So, like, <laughs> give it Giovinazzi till the end of the season. I think, like, I think, if I think anyone like has a surprise result and gets up there, I do think it's Haas. I, I don't trust those Williams. Like, even with a good Russell qualifying, which, you know, is possible i don't think their race pace is sustainable to stay up there and i think we have to see something like you know haas where they stay out where or they like get on the wets early and like or they get lucky and pit, pit yeah just before a safety car or something and so they just end up at the front of the grid somehow. yeah like somehow like i think it was two years ago where they weren't sure whether it was going to rain or not and they started on intermediates from the pit lane and then they were in like third and fourth for like the first 25 laps of the race 
and I think they need something like that where they then they then end up finishing like seventh and ninth and actually that's all you'll need in this season to like finish eighth in the constructors championship. Okay, so give me eighth, ninth, tenth then in the constructors. Uh Haas, Alpha Turi, Williams. You mean Alpha Romeo? Yeah, sorry, Alpha Romeo. Haas then Alpha Romeo then Um Williams. Yeah. Sam, any different? Mm, well, Williams are going to finish at the bottom, I'm afraid. Yeah, it's going to be surprising with Russell finishing third in the drivers. <laughs> it will be surprising, but I think, I think they'll, I think they'll finish last. I think they, might, I think they might potentially get some points though. I mean, say some points, one maybe one or two. Um, I th- yeah, I think I'll just, I think I will agree. Yeah, I could. I I think Williams might get off the bottom step. I think it might be Haas, Williams, Alpha Tauri. Uh, no, Alpha Romeo, sorry, Alpha Romeo. Okay, so let's move on to some of the gossip that's come out this weekend then. And uh, an odd place to start, considering we're talking about the 2020 Formula 1 season, with David Coulthard, Sam. Yeah, so he was there this weekend and there was an interview that he was giving and he was talking about Vettel and the fact that he's gone from being the best driver in the championship to rattling around in a Ferrari at the bottom. And he was talking about this extra baggage that he'd picked up and the fact that he was free and could do what he wants a few years ago and now he has a family is what he was referring to as being this um, extra baggage which means that he has more going on in his life which has brought more distractions which I don't know I just I, can you call family extra baggage and I think I think it's very I think it's very often and it very easy for fans to sit there and go you're being paid 30 million euros a year you know you should be able to ignore all the distractions and do that but actually when push comes to shove the, they are people too you know, these rate these racing car drivers are not robots they're humans and so Everyone changes when they have a family, so I think it's it's in you know completely understandable um, that Vettel wants to have a family and that he has you know started a family. And I wouldn't say it would affect him. I think on a list of things that have affected him, this is a long, long way down the list. And I think having a having a Ferrari which looks more like a Fiat um, might be a bigger issue. Um, but I think his biggest he... knocking confidence was that Ferrari told him they were going to offer him a new contract and that they wanted him for the future and then they suddenly turned around and went so uh, change of plans we don't want you anymore and I think like that's that's where this has all started having a I like the comparison of Fiat and Ferrari um, and I think having a fear on the racetrack has not helped him in any way, but I don't think his driving abilities have 
gone downhill. I think you put him in any of those quicker cars and he's definitely towards the podium end. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, and, okay, then, what? We'll ha- let's have a quick chat about Max Verstappen then. Um, is there any way that Red Bull can get their car to be as quick as Mercedes? I know they're getting rid of the DAS system next year, the dual axis steering that we've mentioned earlier on. But is the only way that Verstappen is going to win a driver's championship to find his way into having the keys to a Mercedes? I think, like, if we think about when Mercedes made their big, their big step in their speed and their dominance over the constructor championship was a good few years ago, and the teams still haven't caught up with them, like. And Mercedes have not just been sat here looking at... Yeah, I just can't see... I you list, like He does his interviews and he's very accepting of the fact that he's going to finish second behind him. And he's, they're constantly just being like, oh, well, we're going to finish this to Mercedes. And even like his radio... Um, the radio messages that were being um, like recorded on the... And we were listening to, he was getting so frustrated with his with the Red Bull pit lane constantly referring to what the Mercedes were doing and at one point he did just turn around and say look let's just concentrate on ourselves and stop focusing on the Mercedes it's like my question to you guys is that is is that him now just accepting of the fact that they're not going to catch the Mercedes and he isn't going to win the world championships this year and he is waiting for Mercedes to offer him a contract. I think I actually agree. I think I agree with Ollie. I think he will stay with Red Bull, but I just think when the budget cuts come into play, I think they're relying on the fact that they'll be able to win a couple of races, four or five races this year, four or five races next year maybe, and then just rely on the next car being good enough to to get them over the line. Um I don't. I can't see him going to Mercedes because I just don't think Mercedes want. Uh, this is going to sound really harsh, but I just don't think Max's character fits with the Mercedes like yeah. way of doing things. Like I don't think he would gel particularly well with Toto Wolf, who we'll get onto in a minute. But I just think he's too um, like shoot from the hip kind of attitude like those radio messages probably wouldn't have been tolerated at Mercedes they would have been shut down very quickly and the way that he drives is so aggressive that Mercedes don't want that they want you to finish Mercedes have always said the Constructors Championship is the first goal the Drivers Championship is the second goal that's what they've got to deliver on and Max wouldn't ever not push to make sure that if he was in second you know his DNF is the same as second to Max and I think that's why I don't think he will go there because I don't think the ethos matches. Um, yeah. I think he's running away from the fight. When he says, like, stop comparing us to Mercedes, let's just do our thing. Like, I know, like, it's something I've done. When you know you're not going very well and you know you're not going to win, you try and focus on yourself because then, like, that's where everyone else's focus goes. You're not constantly comparing and I think he just knows that he's always going to come second in the comparison 
And I think by him saying, like, let's just focus on us, that's him kind of running away from that fight with Mercedes. And I think his frustrations are only going to build and build over the next 18 months, like this year, the rest of this year and next year. And yeah, I completely agree with Robbie. Like, I always describe him as like a, and this might sound a bit harsh, but like a petulant little child sometimes when he speaks. Like, he almost seems to always be throwing a paddy. And like, I that just will not fly at Mercedes, like no matter who's in charge there. Like it like you said, it's a team game and I we saw with Max and Danny Rick when he was at Red Bull, he doesn't like gel well with others. Like even when Danny Rick like won at in Monaco, like Verstappen didn't want to say like well done. It was about why didn't I why wasn't I the one that won? And so yeah, I think it would be very interesting if he doesn't win a championship in the next three or four years, what do they do? Yeah, I agree. And the last thing I think we need to mention quickly in this gossip section before we get on to the uh, alleged top 10 fastest Formula 1 drivers, um, Toto Wolff has been hinting about whether he uh, stops being Mercedes team principal and makes way for someone else to be in charge there. Um, I think this is... I think even if he doesn't uh, even if he steps down as team principal, he will go into a sort of the role that Nicky Lauda had, which was the sort of non-executive racing director sort of thing, where you're in charge but you're not really in charge sort of thing. You don't have to do all the press and stuff like that. Um, I can see them making a change, but it not being too massive a change from like a this is how we do things standpoint. Not so no one's going to come in and go, you know, what I need to do is shake up the Mercedes Formula One team because they're in the doldrums at the moment. So. Yeah, there might be a change of name, but I don't think there'll be a change in ethos. So I don't think there's too much to discuss there, Sam, is there? Well, he has like he still has so much money, isn't he? He's like still like half shareholder or something of it. So yeah, and he also says all these things with a smirk on his face, like it's sometimes you wonder whether he just yeah, he's like just playing <laughs> games with people and he drops things in and just to stir the pot and like then steps away and watches everyone stress about it and do what we're doing and talk about it on a podcast yeah, definitely. I think he's in charge of all of the other uh, Formula Mercedes teams as well like the Formula E I think he holds roles in those so I think actually he's more thinking of like the overall load right okay so now let's get onto this uh, this top 10 list Top 10 fastest Formula 1 drivers. This is based on single lap speed and, and they Formula 1 have worked with uh, is it Amazon Web Services, AWS, who yep. are their sort of statistical partner to develop the list. Now I'm going to run down the list and we are going to have uh, some issues with it at the end. So let's start, uh, we'll just go straight through the list sort of 1 to 10 as it is and then we'll discuss who we think is, is not particularly right for the list. So first of all, Ayrton Senna. Second, Michael Schumacher. Third, Lewis Hamilton. Fourth, Max Verstappen. Fifth, Fernando Alonso. Sixth, Nico Rosberg. Seventh, Charles Leclerc. Eighth, Heike Kovalainen. Ninth, Jarno Trulli. And tenth, Sebastian Vettel. Uh, yes, that is correct. Heike Kovalainen and Jarno Trulli feature in the top ten and above a four-time world champion in Sebastian Vettel. 
that is my massive issue with this list is there are so many drivers that deserve to be in this list more than Heike Kovalainen and Jano Trillian. I'm not taking away from the fact they were good drivers. I'm just saying the list of people who I would pick to be on my top 10 list, um, I think there are about 20 names before I get to those two, at least. <laughs> 20 is harsh. That is a big number. It's almost like they've used the same algorithm that they used to work out everyone's A-level grades. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Heike Kovalainen is from Finland, and Finland does have some quick drivers. Mika Hakkinen, Kimi Raikkonen are not on the list, but Heike Kovalainen is. Well, and Bottas. And Valtteri Bottas. Yeah, that's my issue. Your, is yours is Valtteri Bottas. Mine is Valtteri Bottas. Like, I think, at the moment, he's producing some of the fastest laps currently, and yeah, he's not. He's not on the list. That's my. Issue. I mean, there there are the obvious ones that I feel should be on there, uh, who aren't. Um, this is uh, oh yeah, another bit of information we need to give about the list. It's from 1983, but there are there are the there are the people who are like smack you in the face. Obvious, your James Hunts, your Nicky Lauders, your Nelson PKs, your George Russells. They're all just all just names synonymous with speed and um, car handling ability. I'll be honest with um, you as well. I One to ten is disappointing. It's one of those lists where you hope, like, they have done... It's a top 20. You do hope that, like, 11 to 20 almost fixes it for you. But 11 to 20 is, is even worse. So it's got 11 is Barrichello, which That's I don't okay. necessarily disagree with. Yeah. Hulkenberg in 12. <laughs> I don't think he ever had a car quick enough to merit a 12th place. Bottas in 13th. Okay, should be higher. Carlos Sainz, 14th. Lando Norris, 15th. Danny Ricciardo, 16th. Jensen Button, 17th. Robert Kubica, 18th. Giancarlo Fisichella, 19th. And Alain Prost, 20th. I mean, what? What even is this list? Yeah, no, it is questionable that Formula One kind of saw it and then went, you know what, yeah, this is a list good. that we're we're going to be okay releasing to the world. And actually, you know, this is something that we want to go forward with. It's the kind of list that you do in the back room and you go, ah, maybe we'll find something else to release today on social media. Like the top three I don't have an issue with. I don't think anyone will have an issue with that top three. Some people might argue the order of that top three but that top three is fine. You then should not have Verstappen above Alonso, and then you shouldn't have, I think, almost everyone above Vettel. Above Vettel? Uh, yeah, I think... Yeah, I think top... Yeah, I think... Senna, Schumacher, Hamilton is fine. I would say... Uh, Vettel fourth, Alonso fifth. And then an addition of a load of new names for that second top five. And then I would say <laughs> potentially uh, your James Hunt in sixth, Nicky Lauda in seventh. Prost. I'd have to put, yeah, Prost in eighth. PK. PK in ninth. And then I'm going to have to. <laughs> yeah, Bottas, either Bottas or... Um, 
Raikkonen, yeah. I mean, we haven't even mentioned Massa. You forget that like Massa was, Massa was three turns away from winning the world championship. Like if if um, Timo Glock could have actually managed a tire, Felipe Massa would be a Formula One world champion. I almost. I mean, then look at it, looking at it. Then you've got to start going on. You know, I don't. I don't think. I don't think anyone right driving today, other than Hamilton, Verstappen, and Vettel, deserves to be on that list. And Bottas, maybe. Sorry. I think Nico Rosberg deserves to be in the top half of the top of of eleven to twenty. As does. I think you've got to put Jensen Button and Rubens Barrichello in there. Jensen Button definitely, because you. I mean, like at some point you've got to just go. If you won a world championships, you're probably pretty good at driving single laps. Yeah, yeah. I think that, I think that's the thing is you've got people in there that have like. How is Lando Norris? Lando on Norris. <laughs> I mean, yeah. To be Who's fair, paid? he did put in. He did do a very fast lap. At the like, but. But how is Charles Leclerc? Quicker than Alain Prost. Gilles Villeneuve. We haven't mentioned Villeneuve. Well. Right, we're going to aggressively retweet this list at Formula One and just say you got it all wrong. And I'm going to boycott Jeff Bezos and Amazon for 24 hours in protest. I can't promise any longer because Amazon Prime is just so useful. Um, but Sam, what, what, any any other names that you think we've missed, or anyone who you think is grossly in the wrong place? Um, I mean, I would put Bottas higher. I'd put Button ahead of your Signs and your Norrises, because I mean, I just don't really know how they're even included on the list. To be honest, I'm sure they'll be fast one day, but not currently right now. I don't know. It to me, it does just look like um, a random name generator, doesn't it? All right. So thank you very much for listening to that episode of the J Rod F1 Pod with James Robson, Ollie Dix, and our special guest host Sam Corti, as ever. Now we've got a weekend off from the Formula 1 next weekend so we will be joining you after that for the Belgian Grand Prix at Spa-Francorchamps but until then please make sure that you subscribe follow us on social media and let us know if there's anything you want to hear